Well, good morning, family. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Goodlett, your child easily becomes lost and distracted during class lessons and discussions. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Goodlett, your child needs to develop better listening skills in class as he sometimes drifts away from us. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Goodlett, your child tends to daydream. So the other night I was reading some of my, of my old report cards and, uh, and that was just second grade. <laughs> I found a running theme, and uh, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Gagliardo, was uh, a bit concerned, and I uh, would write these concerns and messages to my parents about my uh, daydreaming habits, and I'm here to tell you, Miss G, that I think it worked out okay, And um, but, but the fun part is now I get to sit in the parent-teacher conferences, and uh, and I get to hear the same things about my children. And, uh, and I can see the concern in the teacher's faces, but honestly, there's a part of me going, this is going to work out all right. This will someday, this will come in handy. Um, but there's something about dreamers that concerns us. Uh, it may be because we don't always get the dream or we don't get the dreamer. And, but I think if we're honest and we, we look at life around us that often when we go to the movies or when we read a book, it's about a dreamer. Or it was a dreamer who made the movie or wrote the book. Because at its core, dreamers are good. And this morning as we continue um, in our study of the Bible, we're going to look at a guy who shows up um, in the last third of Genesis. His name's Joseph. Now, Joseph is a common name throughout the Bible. I mean, you got Joseph, who's the stepfather of Jesus. Uh, you got this other Joseph in the New Testament who loans Jesus his tomb. Because after three days, Jesus is like, you can have this back. I don't need it anymore. And... Um, and then there's this guy named Joseph, who's the, the last third of Genesis. He shows up around the 18th century B.C. And he's Joseph, the son of Israel, uh, whose name used to be Jacob. And who's the son of Isaac, who's the son of Abraham, who Kurt talked about uh, last Sunday. And Abraham enters into covenant with God. And that covenant passes on from Abraham to Isaac to Israel to Joseph. And Joseph, he's actually, all his life, he carries with him a dream. It's a dream that's been passed down from generation to generation. It's a dream that he's been told over and over in his life, and it goes something like this. Joseph, there is a God. He is a good God. He is for you. He is with you. And he has something more for your life. And Joseph has heard this dream over and over, and then eventually it starts playing itself out in dreams. In Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 5, it says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told this to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to, to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, before we go on any further this morning, I need us to understand something. Whether or not you label yourself a dreamer, 
We all have a God-given dream. Every single one of us has been given a dream, whether you realize it or not, a God-given dream. And, and it, it all starts the same for us. In other words, there is a God. He is good. He is for you. He is with you. And he has more for your life. Now, that last part may look a little different than the person next to you. In other words, God begins to roll out his purpose for life. He begins to answer the question for us of why am I here? But God has given us, each one of us, a God-given dream. And it, and it becomes the overarching purpose within our life to, to, to live this out. And, uh, and, and it becomes the, the focal point then if we can grasp onto it. But the problem is all of us have been, been given a God-given dream. And the truth of the matter is, when you've been given a God-given dream, it will always be tested. And when you look at our life, it's often when times are bad, we forget the dream when we forget God is good. And then when times are good, well, we forget the dream again that God is good. In fact, we think we're good. We think things are going really good for me right now because I'm so good and I deserve it. And we forget the dream again. And it doesn't help that life throws at us these distractions. Now, last week, Kurt talked about detours, how sometimes God gives us a purpose, but we can kind of make choices that take us down a path that's not part of God's plan. But sometimes there's distractions. It wasn't your choice to turn down the path. It was somebody else's choice to do something wrong. And as a result, it affects you and it causes a distraction from the dream. It's somebody else's choice that affects your life and makes it hard to hold on to the dream. Well, we know that Joseph has several of these distractions in his life. And the thing about a distraction, too, is it can make it difficult for you to see the dream to begin with. Or a distraction can make you doubt that you even have a God-given dream. Or a distraction might, might, maybe things are going so well that you kind of doubt that you even need a God-given dream because you like your dreams and you don't have much room for God's dream. Or a distraction might even cause you to forget that you had a dream to begin with. And then it feels like you've lost the dream. Now, Joseph in his life, he starts well enough. He's born uh, into a family. He's, he's one of 11 brothers at the time, and he is the favorite son of Israel. It, it's probably because he was born from Israel's favorite wife. And it, it doesn't help that Israel begins to favor him over the other brothers. In fact, if you know the story, he makes for him a technicolor dream coat um, or at least a shiny new vest that's more colorful than what his brothers have. And that doesn't make him too happy that he's their brother and he gets these gifts from dad. And, and it also doesn't help that he keeps having these dreams that his brothers and even his parents will one day bow down before him. And so his brothers are struggling with the dreamer. You see, when you have people who have lost their dream, they can't stand somebody walking around who's got a dream. And so what they often want to do is kill the dream. And in this case, it's kill the dreamer. We see it in chapter 37, starting in verse 17, where it says, So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. 
Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And very early in life, Joseph has to deal with the distraction of rejection. His brothers don't want to have anything to do with him. They decide at the last minute not to kill him. In fact, they sell him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And so Joseph goes from being a favorite son to a beaten slave and a beaten and abused slave by the Ishmaelites. I don't know what your story looks like this morning, but, but perhaps you've brought some hurt with you this morning. Uh, and maybe it's kind of that feeling of rejection. Maybe you got one of those days where you feel like the whole world seems to be against me. Or maybe you feel rejected by your family. I mean, that's a deep hurt. And as life is going to throw these distractions at us, I think there's some truths we need to grasp onto this morning. And one of those truths is simply this. Everyone deals with something. Everybody deals with with something. Nobody's immune to adversity. No one's immune uh, to bad times in life. In fact, everybody who walks through the doors of this building this morning and sat down next to you, every single one of us brings with us some sort of hurt from our life story. Some of us are dealing with it now in the moment more than others, but we all have something that we deal with. And I don't think it helps that somehow there's these myths, these ideas that have crept into Christianity. I'm not sure where they came from, but, but maybe you've kind of heard this before or thought this yourself. And, and so one of the myths is this, that life before Jesus is filled with ups and downs, ups and downs. But once you meet Jesus and follow him, it's all of a sudden it's smooth sailing from then on out. It's a myth. The, the truth is that there's ups and downs before Jesus. We could all agree on that. But once you meet Jesus, all of a sudden it's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. It's higher highs and lower lows. But it's all of a sudden just more meaningful. And then there's this other idea that somehow has crept into Christianity. Maybe you've heard it before. It goes something like this. God will never give you more than you can handle. There is no scripture verse for that. <laughs> there isn't. There's that verse that says there's no temptation God won't provide a way out from. But, but actually the Bible talks a lot about how God does allow us to experience more than we can handle. That these bad times can overwhelm us. That it's more than our shoulders can bear. God will give you more than you can handle. But the point is that it's not for you to handle alone. And we see in Joseph's life that he will experience this over and over. And the truth is God can reveal and remind us that he is still good through every affliction in our life. As we read Joseph's story in chapter 39, starting at verse 1, it says, Now God has had, I'm sorry, not God, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, here Joseph goes from being a lowly slave to he's bought by the captain of the guard who likes Joseph so much that he ends up putting him in charge of his entire estate. 
Joseph goes from being a lowly slave to the CEO of Potiphar's estate. God blesses him even in this dark time. Now, Joseph has kind of a blessing and a curse that some of you in this room may have. And that the Bible says Joseph is handsome and well built. Yeah, you can ask the person next to you if you struggle with that, if that's your problem. But, but the thing for Joseph is, he, Potiphar's wife notices. Potiphar's wife, time after time, propositions Joseph to go to bed with her. And every time Joseph says, nope, I will not cross that line. I will not disgrace my master. I will not dishonor my God. And then there's this one time where Potiphar's wife notices that Joseph is in a room by himself and she corners him and grabs onto his robe and says, come to bed with me. And Joseph just disrobes and runs away. (laughs) And Potiphar's wife, in her embarrassment, she screams out and the attendants come running and they go, what happened? And she goes, Joseph just tried to rape me. And Joseph has to deal with another distraction to the dream in his life. And that is false accusation. Life's not very fair. And there's this truth. And that is everybody, everybody's been burned by somebody. Everybody's been burned by somebody. We let each other down all the time. And it may even be like Joseph, somebody who is an authority over you. It might be your boss or it might have been a parent. Um, and what's interesting is we'll chase after this thing in life, trying to, to become self-reliant, self-sufficient, not need anybody so nobody can hurt us. We chase after something called autonomy. But autonomy is a myth. I mean, you may have started your own business so that you're your own boss, and that's great. But you're still accountable to the customers or else you don't have a business. You're still accountable to the investors. There's, there's no way that we get away from each other and being hurt by each other. And so everybody has been burned by somebody. But we can hold on to the truth that at least by the end of it, we are all under God's authority. And God can reveal and remind us that he is still good through every unfair, disappointing, hurtful situation in life. We read Joseph's story in chapter 39, verse 20. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done. Here, Joseph, once again, is thrown into a bad situation. He did everything right. Somebody did something wrong. He's a victim of false accusation. He lands in prison and God is still with him and blesses him in the prison. And he becomes an overseer within the prison. And while he's there, he runs into two prisoners that we know of. It's the Pharaoh's cupbearer. And Pharaoh's baker. Now, the baker, we know he made baked goods and breads for Pharaoh. The cupbearer, his job was before Pharaoh would ever take a drink from a cup, the cupbearer would take a drink first, make sure there's no poison in the drink, and then he would hand it to Pharaoh so he could drink it. So if you were a good cupbearer, you only did your job well once. And uh, unfortunate job choice. But... um. But that was his job. Now, Pharaoh, for some reason, we know, gets mad at the cupbearer, gets mad at the baker, throws them into prison, the same prison Joseph's in. And while they're there, 
the two, those two men, they have dreams and uh, they're perplexed by their dreams. And Joseph says, why don't you tell me your dreams and I will tell you what they mean. So the cupbearer goes first. He says, well, I have this dream that I see this great vine and there's three branches that shoot off of this vine. And on these three branches, all of a sudden there's all these big grape clusters. And I walk over and I squeeze the grape clusters and I squeeze the juice into a cup and I present it to Pharaoh. And Joseph says, well, the meaning of your dream is that in three days you will be set free from this prison and restored to your position in Pharaoh's court once again as his royal cupbearer. Well, the baker's thinking, that's a great result. Let me tell you my dream. He says, I've got three basketfuls that are on top of my head. And in my dream, the birds keep coming and trying to eat the bread from the baskets on my head. And Joseph, I think, reluctantly says, well, that means in three days, you're going to lose your head. And you're going to be impaled on a stake. And the birds are going to come and eat your flesh. Not as cool a result, but the truth is both happen. Three days later, Pharaoh throws a birthday celebration for himself. He restores the cupbearer and he impales the baker. And the last thing Joseph says to the cupbearer is, hey, when you get out, when you are with Pharaoh, remember me. Tell him about these great abilities that God is working through me. Tell him what I'm able to do. And uh, the cupbearer is like, no problem, Joseph, I'll remember you. And then he walks out of the prison and he forgets. And Joseph all of a sudden finds himself a a proud prisoner to a forgotten peasant. (laughs) And he deals with the distraction of feeling forgotten. Maybe you feel like you've been forgotten. Maybe you've been working really hard at work, but nobody ever seems to notice. Maybe somebody made a promise to you long ago and they still have not fulfilled that promise. And maybe you're just frustrated that you're waiting on another person or you need somebody else's encouragement to feel better about your situation. You just wish you didn't even need to to rely on anybody. But there's another truth that exists within our situation. And that is that everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. I was in my early 20s, just graduated college, started my first job. I was making enough money that I could rent my own apartment and, uh, and, and have my own car. I had finally reached what I'd been chasing after during high school, kind of, kind of that full independence where I, where I would be my own man. And then something happened. I noticed that I wasn't seeing as well as I remembered seeing before. There, there's all of a sudden been a loss in my vision. And so I just thought I'll go to the eye doctor and, and, uh, and they'll help me out with some glasses. And so I did. I went to the eye doctor and, and uh, the eye doctor eventually said, he said, look, I, I don't know why, but I can't correct your vision to 2020. I can't correct it back to where it needs to be. He says, you need to go maybe talk to another eye doctor. And so I did. I went to another eye doctor and Got the same story. And that eye doctor, he ended up sending me to a specialist. The specialist goes, we need to make sure you don't have a brain tumor. And, uh, and so that was scary. I went through all these tests and to make, to rule out cancer and to do that. But it turns out I don't have a brain tumor. They say, well, we need to make sure your optic nerve is working properly. And so I had to go all these other places and do all these other tests and, and eventually found out that's okay. And eventually they just came back to me and said, look, we're just diagnosing you with an eye disease. We don't know how you got it. We don't know where it came from, but we're pretty sure it's going to get worse as you get older. 
And at best, right now, we can get your vision up to 2040. Everybody else is going to see 2020, but you're going to, at best, see 2040. And it was then in my early 20s that I realized I'm going to always need somebody. I'm going to always need somebody to read me those subtitles on the TV during that foreign film that I rarely rent. But, you know, it's still... I'm going to need somebody to read that Chick-fil-A menu for me while I'm standing on the other side of the counter. Maybe you've even experienced this. You're on the other side of the lobby. I'm on the other side and you're waving. Hey, Tom. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, good to see you, bro, ma'am. I know, you know, it's. uh... But here's what I've learned. None of us were ever created to be independent. We weren't. We were created to need each other, and to definitely need God. Everybody's got some something they're dealing with, and everybody needs somebody to go through it with them. And God can reveal and remind us that he is still good through every lengthy and lowly valley in our lives. Two years go by. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer is listening as Pharaoh says, you know what? I had this dream last night. Nobody can tell me what it means. It's really bothering me. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer goes, oh, wait, 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 wait. I know somebody. I know somebody who can you tell me your dream. He can tell you the answer. He's back in prison. We should get him out. And that's exactly what happens. They, they take uh, Joseph out. They clean him up. And we read about it in chapter 41 of Genesis. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Notice what Joseph says. He says, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Pharaoh tells him his dream. There are actually two dreams. And Joseph says it's two dreams with the same meaning. He says, what God's letting you know, Pharaoh, is that there is going to be seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of famine, unlike this world has ever seen before. He said, God has decided this is happening and he's letting you know ahead of time, Pharaoh. He said, what I would suggest you do is uh, appoint one of your officials so that while there's seven years of plenty, we collect one fifth of all the crops in Egypt and we store them until those seven years of famine. And then we can redistribute them out to the people. And that way Egypt can survive this catastrophe that's coming. And Pharaoh says, that's a great idea. You're the official. And Joseph, or Pharaoh takes Joseph and he makes him the second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph goes from being a forgotten prisoner, peasant, to one of the most powerful men in the entire known world at that time. You see, God will often take our problems and he will use them to develop us. The story goes on that, sure enough, there's plenty in the land, like Joseph had seen, and, and then there's famine in the land. And not just in the land of Egypt. This famine, it's, it's spreading out to all the other lands, including the lands where Joseph's father and his other brothers are living. And so, while there's famine in their land, they decide, we need to go to Egypt. And so, Israel sends ten of his sons to Egypt, gives them money to see if Egypt will let you purchase food from them so that we don't starve to death. And so the ten brothers travel to Egypt. They're asking for money. And then Joseph sees them. And the Bible says that Joseph recognized his brothers, but his brothers did not recognize Joseph. 
And so what does Joseph do? Probably what you and I would do for a while. He starts messing with them. He, he throws them in prison for three days. He, he accuses them of being spies. He frames them for a crime. But none of it is bringing any healing to the heartache Joseph has experienced of rejection or false accusation or being forgotten. None of it's working until one day the Bible tells us Joseph just loses it. He can't do it anymore. In fact, it says that he just started crying. And not like the pretty crying, like the ugly face contorting, like just losing it, crying. He's wailing so bad that the Egyptian officials, they don't know what's happening, what's going on. He tells them to leave. He tells his brothers to stay. And there in that moment, he reveals to his brothers who he is. You see, Joseph makes this decision in his life to let go of all the bad hurts that he's been holding on to and to just embrace the goodness of God. And in that moment, it becomes a God moment. And God shows up through Joseph's emotions and just lets this out. And he tells his brother, I'm the I'm the brother you sold into slavery. His brothers are in such panic. They bow down before Joseph. They think this is where he's going to kill us. This is where he's going to exact his revenge. And this is what Joseph says to his brothers in the last chapter of Genesis, chapter 50, starting in verse 19. But Joseph said to him, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Within this passage, there is a phrase, one of the most powerful phrases that occurs in the Bible. It occurs 42 other times than in this passage. It is the simple phrase of, but God. You meant this for evil, but God used it for good. It is the phrase God uses to answer the challenges of Satan. It's the phrase God uses to put on his final word. In other words, the the world may say to you, you are stuck. But God says, nope, I've created a path for you to go down. Life may say to you, you are lost. But God says, no, I found you and you are mine. The circumstances you're experiencing right now, they may seem like a complete mess. But God says, I have a plan. You may be in a dark, dark situation right now, but God says it ain't over yet. God uses the trials in our life to develop us. And we can cry out to him, God, we have a problem. God, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I don't get this. I don't understand. I wish you would change my problem. And the truth is, most often, God will change our perspective Before he will begin changing our problem. You see, your life may look like a series of messes. It may look dark. It may look gloomy. It may not make sense at all. But God loves to show up in these moments and reveal his goodness. And when you find the goodness of God and realize that it was there the whole time, When we grasp onto those moments, it's a God event. You see, Joseph has a decision to make. He he can't, 
He can't control the actions of his brothers. He can't force them to make better decisions, but he can decide what to do with the goodness of God. And when we realize the goodness of God, it compels us to pass it on to someone else. And for Joseph, he decides to bless. Bless his brothers, bless their families, bless their children. You see, often when we're embittered by the distractions that this life throws at us, the problem we face It's not the result of what we know about our offenders. The problem we face is not what we know about the tragedy of our circumstances. The problem we face is when we don't know or we forget who God is and we forget to trust in him. Adversity comes to everyone, but God provides a way out. When hardship shows up in your life, You have a choice you can make. You can let it make you bitter or you can let God make you better. And you won't know the type of soldier you are until you find yourself in the midst of the battle. And the end of the battle or the end of your life, you will have a choice. And that is either to give a confession or a testimony. In other words, you, your story may be a confession of how you, you had this whole dream of God. You saw his purpose for your life. But all of a sudden, so many things started happening. So many things you didn't understand. And somehow you lost the dream along the way. And you wish you didn't. Or your story could be a testimony of how these things came at you in life. You didn't understand them. It didn't make sense. It didn't look good. But you held on. You held on to every scripture verse. You held on to every prayer. You held on long enough to see at the end revealed to you the goodness of God. Maybe this morning you've never made the choice to discover the dream God has for your life. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And after that song, the prayer partners will come forward. And maybe you just need prayer today. Or maybe you need to just trust God for the very first time and place your life into his hands. He reaches out with the arms of Jesus. He has a dream for you to discover. And maybe this morning for the rest of us, we just need a day to remember. To remember the dream. That there is a God. He is so good. He is for you. He is with you and he has something more for your life. Will you stand up and give him the praise he deserves? Let's sing together.